0: The Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola.
1: Hi there and welcome to the Numinous Podcast where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. This podcast is a complement to the Numinous School, an online intuition development course for people who want their self-awareness to serve a greater good. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, and this week our guest is my dear friend, author and speaker, Monique Gray-Smith. Monique is also the principal of Little Drum Consulting, an Aboriginal-owned and operated business that provides facilitation and consulting services to Aboriginal communities and organizations and the governments that serve them. We're talking today about the importance of ceremony and ritual, especially for children. During this conversation, Monique was actually on a work trip. She was speaking at a conference for people who work with children. I connected with her over the phone. She was in Kamloops, BC. So Monique, I've been so excited about having this conversation with you for some time because you and I have discussed how we can create more opportunities for ceremony for our children and for the young people in our community. I have a daughter who's 10, you have twins who have just turned 11 or they're 10 now?
0: Uh, They're 10 and a half, yeah. They're
1: 10 and a half. So why do you think ceremony is important for children?
0: Mm, I think for many ways or many reasons. One of them that comes to mind right away is that in ceremony, it's critical that we slow down, that we pay attention, that we breathe, and with this, it automatically connects us to our spirit. And in this world where we live today, that is so fast-paced, and so much is coming at our children all the time, that if we don't pause for ceremony and allow them to almost restart or set the reset button, for example, then we just kind of keep them going on overdrive all the time. And for me, that's incredibly concerning, not only as a parent, but also as an auntie. And as to somebody in our community who's watching out for the children that my, my children play with as well. And ceremony, I think also, when I speak of ceremony, I mean that we have times when ceremony is a disciplined, focused, intended act. But there's also times when ceremony comes upon us, so for example, when my children and I walk along the beach, it feels like ceremony because the conversations that we have and the quiet time, it feels sacred. Or if we go for a walk, well, you know, in Victoria we have that beautiful mountain, Mount Doug, and we haven't gone up there very often, but when we do, there's something that happens. And we're more inclined, because we're a block from the water, to spend time at the ocean. And so that opportunity for children to connect to spirit I think is absolutely critical for them in this world because the other piece that I think happens is that it unfolds their imagination. And imagination is the foundation for problem-solving and critical thinking. And we know today that, you know, when our children are sitting in front of the screens as much as they are, that they're going to be able to need in the future that ability to problem-solve and to critically think And if they haven't as a child had experience in ceremony or being quiet or offering thanksgiving or paying attention to what is happening for their spirit, for them in their heart, in their mind, in their body, and that internal uh, light, for lack of a better word, for spirit, um, then we, I think, are sending children out into the world who may have many skills, but that mastery skill of being able to be present with oneself will not be there.
1: Mm-hmm. And that, I
0: think, is a big danger.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and it, it's so true that our our world seems so enthralled with the digital world, with the physical world, with with doing, with thinking. And so, I really appreciate that you've brought up imagination as a component of of ceremony. And imagination is not only so important for critical thinking, but it's also the gateway to our subconscious. And Mm -hmm. our subconscious is how we can become more connected with spirit in the sense that, you know, spirit speaks in metaphor and symbolism. And that isn't something that you can just. take from a textbook you know everybody has to learn their own language for what the meaning of experiences are for them and so i'm i'm really fascinated with this idea that it's uh, that you're sharing with us that it's about presence and slowing down and that's an important component of ceremony can you tell me about some maybe traditional First Nations ceremonies or others that you've heard of that honor and mark special times in the lives of children in particular?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, on my dad's side, he is of Lakota Ancestry, and one of the things that Medicine Man shared with me years ago, his name was Melvin Graybear, and he's passed on. He was also the gentleman who gave me my traditional name in a UEP ceremony, and he, he was telling me that, when a child is conceived, that in order for that child to be conceived, that there are four grandparents from the mother's side and four grandparents from the father's side who come together to agree that now is the right time for this child to come into the world. So when we when we kind of pause and look back, it is even before a child is conceived that there is ceremony happening in the spirit realm that says, now's the time for this child to come from these two parents it might not be that these two biological parents are the people who raise up this child and it may actually not even be that this child comes to full term but whatever the parents and the family members have to learn from this gift of this child the timing is now and so that is one example a ceremony that happens in the spirit world Many of our nations have ceremonies that welcome a child into the world, um, even you know quite as simply as saying, "Welcome to the world. We've been waiting for you. You know, you're a precious gift. Thank you for joining our family." Um, my children, when we were preparing for them to come into the world, we gathered people who were very, very important in our lives, and they all wrote special notes to both Sadie and Jackson, and they're kept in carved cedar boxes that we will hand over to them when they're 19. So they've seen what's in those boxes but those are really people in ceremony laying down for them. This is how I will wrap around you and take care of you but this is also how I see you can contribute to the wellness of the world. Um, Often some nations will, the celebration of the first haircut is very, very important, and that hair is always kept. In many of our nations, our hair symbolizes our wisdom, and it also symbolizes, um, as we get older, our roles within our families. And different nations have different traditional teachings around one braid or two braids, for example, in, in more traditional families. But that first haircut symbolizes that we are honoring that when you came into this world, you may have had some hair. But this first cut symbolizes that what you came with is sacred, and we will keep what you've come with. And we're making room for everything else that is yet to unfold to now come forward. So that hair then, as I said, is kept. Some of it is often offered to the earth, uh, if it may also be offered to the water or to a sacred fire, but that child always carries some of their hair
1: It's mm, beautiful
0: The first time children put their feet on the ground for walking is also a very memorable moment because it it means that that child is transitioning from having to be held by a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or uncle to being moving into being their own independent child by being able to stand on their own two feet. Each nation has has their, and some families within the nations and clans, have their own ceremonies for children. The other one that is, um, you know, I'm beginning as a mom to process what will be the rite of passage ceremony for my children as they get ready to enter young adulthood or as, you know, in in common day world, we call it tween. Right, right. (laughs) But preparing for that and, and knowing that ceremony doesn't always have to look exactly the same. So, you know, I had a niece who, when it was time for her rite of passage, she spent four days and four nights on the mountain in Vision Quest with no food and no water. And, you know, she... For her, her learning out of that was, if I can do that, I can do anything. And when we think about a young woman at 13 years of age with that solid belief that, you know what, if I can experience that, I can do anything. And it wasn't about ego. It wasn't about bravado. It was simply as a result of ceremony. And so for me, that's the piece of thinking about. So for my daughter, Sadie, what will be her ceremony? And that will be a conversation also with our family and for my son.
1: And so will well, they have different, different ceremony different. then? Because, Or will you try to create a family ceremony where that becomes a new part of your lineage?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure yet. It hasn't come. And for me, that's part of it is that I, I'm beginning to ponder it and reflect on it and ask. I have an elder who I'm very close to and I ask her often. And so we're beginning that discussion. Um, so I don't know yet, Carmen. I think that, you know, I love what Stevie King always says, more shall be revealed. Right, right. <laughs> and because my children, even though they're twins, they're so different. Right. And so my daughter is, is a little more shy. So to do a very public ceremony with her, may actually almost be embarrassing. And that's the piece you never want with ceremony. It's never to be embarrassing or shaming or humiliating.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It is to be sacred and to be honoring. And so for her, we may need a smaller family ceremony, whereas my son, he may be more comfortable with more of a community ceremony. Mm -hmm.
1: So the community ceremony that I recently uh, participated in for... um, uh, young girls for a rite of passage was called G Day for girls, and there mm-hmm. were 250 tweens that well they were uh, nine to 12 years old in the year 2014. So that that actually is quite a range, and uh, it was a day of uh, listening to uh, women of different ages who were speaking about different parts of uh, the the experience of becoming a woman. And the, the founder, uh, Madeline Shaw, talked about how when she got her period, it, you know, it's one of those things as a young girl, you're super excited about it, it's supposed to mark this big transition and then it happens and it's kind of a non-event. And it can be really confusing and nothing, it happens but nothing happens at the same time. And I really appreciated that effort to have a day where we just celebrated this wonderful time in a girl's life. And then there was a red ribbon ceremony at the, at the end of that. And they told a a story with a drum and uh, all the girls got to close their eyes and, and hear the story of, of the, this red ribbon. And it was, it was really beautiful to have them then tie these ribbons onto each other's wrists and say, I am a strong woman and I will help you up. And then tie the ribbon on. And it was just, you know, it had all of the elements of story uh, sound, uh, movement, and symbolism. I'm curious what you think are some of the fundamental elements of ceremony, that if a, if a family is going to prepare or plan a ceremony or some mark some milestone, whether it's graduation or uh, learning how to ride your bike or, or a birthday, whatever it is, what are some of the elements that make a ceremony and, and make a moment uh, sacred?
0: Hmm. Well, I always think eating is one of them, mm. that when we feast together, and not just in the feasting together, but when we plan and prepare the food together, that the teaching is that when we're cooking like that, we need to cook in a place of happiness, of joy, and put good feelings into that food, because then that's what our bodies and our spirits consume. And so when we eat together, what we eat and the conversations that unfold as we're eating really land with us differently. So often in ceremony, there will either be feasting before, or sometimes, you know, if an elder has an important teaching as part of the ceremony, There might be something to eat while that teaching is unfolding, and then there is always eating afterwards. And that can be traditional foods, but it can also be, you know, more contemporary foods as well, because the point really is that we are eating together. There often also is a food offering, a food plate that's created of all the food that's available, some tobacco is laid on it, and the food is blessed. So those are elements that I think are, that add to ceremony, but again, for me, it's coming back to that place for those young women to to have a moment so, you know, that's beautiful that they tie those ribbons on each other's wrists. For me, it would also be what would be the messages individually that they can say to themselves in those times of darkness and, and pain and when our roots get really challenged how do we as individuals or those young girls stay strong and sometimes in ceremony that's that time when i begin to really reflect on myself and what what can i say to myself that gives me strength and that honors my spirit
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: those would be a couple things that um but you know that collective that collective of coming together in mind, in consciousness, in body. For those young women, imagine for every single one of them that was there, that that is a day they will never forget. Oh,
1: absolutely. And
0: that's the beauty of ceremony, hmm. right? It's like a touchstone. It's a place I can always go back to and close my eyes and remember how good I have felt in that moment.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm also finding lately that, uh, well, probably because of the recent passing of my grandmother, who is the the matriarch of my family, and, and many of uh, those that are close to me and I know to you, we have mutual friends who are really dealing with grief and loss. And one of the things that I'm finding I'm uh, holding on to preciously and tightly is this idea of lineage. And so calling in the ancestors, I know, is a, a very core practice um, For many uh, First Nations and indigenous cultures around the world. And I recently heard even that um, in Iceland, it's a it's a matrilineal uh, culture. And so when people introduce themselves, they would say, you know, I am John, son of Eleanor daughter of Helen, daughter of whoever. And this is a very unusual thing in the world, you know. But I'm feeling that way lately, too, that when I say my name is Carmen, daughter of Bonnie, daughter of Isabel, daughter of May, you know, that feels like I'm placing myself in a lineage and I belong.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It's really interesting you bring that up. A very good friend and I were talking about that the other day about... She um, is a very profound uh, Sly Ammon woman. Her name is Chastity Davis. And she, she's just finishing her master's in indigenous business. And so we were kind of giggling with each other about, you know, when we're often in corporate environments for work or in environments that are um, very Western mainstream thinking, people will often say, what do you do? And when we're in our communities, people will say, who's your family? it's a very different way of relating and as soon as you know who's your family you begin to say okay and here's where i'm from and here's where i stay which means this is where I'm currently living because where i'm from is where my roots are mm-hmm. it's not necessarily you know i i live in victoria but that's not necessarily where my roots are mm-hmm. you know as a woman
1: mm-hmm. how do you think that we as parents can preserve and continue to honor ceremony in a world that generally is so secular and we live in you know kind of lotus land you and I live in Victoria in in many ways would be a very relaxed kind of culture but that's just not everybody's experience you know the world mm-hmm. the western world is very much caught up in what do you do where do you live in terms of what's your zip code, that sort of thing. So how do we honor spirit? And what are some examples of little ways we can weave ceremony into the lives of our children so they can maintain connection if they don't, say, live a block from the ocean? Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, A couple things I think that come to mind um, right away is, one is how do I start my day and how do I end my day? Meaning, how do I close my day before I fall asleep. So I've I've been taught and I teach my children upon waking, before you even kind of roll over the first time or get out of bed, you offer thanksgiving for the safe passage through the night and for for the gift of being allowed to live another day. Mm. And then um, always having a glass of water first thing in the morning and blessing that water, offering thanksgiving for the vibrancy and vitality it will serve you. Because water is one of our greatest gifts. And I think, you know, I've had privilege to travel around the world and know places where water is not... We can't turn on a tap and drink it. So where we live, it's an incredible blessing. And then on the end of that, is at the end of the day, is as I close my eyes and I invite my children to, as they fall asleep, what are you grateful for today? And offering thanksgiving for the gift of being allowed to live another day. Mm are two really small pieces but they ground us at the very beginning of the day and they bring closure at the end of the day and often my children will ask we'll have this conversation you know, what was the best part of your day and what are you grateful for and it allows a conversation to unfold mm-hmm. right as we're tucking in or tickling back so those pieces when which is very different than picking up from school or at the dinner table um it's a because everybody's in a different state as we're just preparing for for resting time. Mm -hmm. So those would be two, I would say. And we can do those anywhere, right, on a flight. Mm -hmm. We can do them no matter where we live. And the other beautiful piece of that is that, you know, for my children when they're with other people at sleepovers, for example, nobody needs to know that they're doing (laughs) that ceremony, right? Mm -hmm. It's theirs. It's private. And... That to me sometimes is the beauty of ceremony. Nobody actually needs to know that as I'm sitting here in this moment on this plane that I'm in prayer. Mm -hmm. And therefore I'm in ceremony and therefore I am connecting to spirit.
1: That is beautiful. And to my highest good. Mm -hmm. That is beautiful. So true. So Monique, uh, what do you consider perfect happiness?
0: Hmm i knew you were going
1: to ask that question no. cuz i've listened to every single one of your podcasts <laughs> i thought i might ask you a different question and then i thought well i don't want to deny her her initiation because that's like ceremony
0: <laughs> um, i i so cuz i knew perhaps that you might ask this question i've been thinking about it And my simplest answer is waking up every morning and offering Thanksgiving for the safe passage of the night and the gift of being allowed to live another day. Mm.
1: Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for spending part of that precious day with me, Monique. Thank you so much for being on Mm -hmm. the show.
0: It's been a privilege, Carmen. Thank you very much.
1: Wow. Monique shared so many good ideas there. Uh, so many that I wish I had done, uh, like the letters before my daughter was born. Well, actually, I did write three or four letters personally to my daughter, but from, from the community and from the family, that would have been really nice. And also the first haircut and the uh, first steps that's also beautiful but of course there's no time like the present and it's easy to begin the day with ceremony by giving thanks that was a, a beautiful offering that Monique gave us and also of course with food not only the blessing and eating of food, but even the preparation. Uh, our family, I know, we often sit down at our table, and the first thing we do is talk about wow, look at these are potatoes from our garden, and kale that we grew ourselves, and, and garlic as well. And it's our way of just marking our participation in the natural cycles and how grateful we are for not only eating together, but sharing the labor. Today's show notes can be found on my website, carmenspagnola.com, C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A. And that's where you'll find links to learn more about Monique's wonderful book, Tilly, A Story of Hope and Resilience, and also her consultancy, Little Drum. I can't wait to have Monique on the show again. We have so much to talk about. And of course, I want to ask her a different question from the Proust questionnaire. I already know which one. Thank you so much for listening to our conversation today. If you enjoyed the show, I'd really appreciate your review on iTunes. But even more importantly, please share it far and wide so it can reach more seekers just like you. You never know who really needs to hear it right now. If you'd like to keep exploring the great mystery of life with me, you can go to my website, CarmenSpaniola.com, and click the link for The Numinous School, my online intuition development course. While you're there, sign up for my monthly email newsletter. You'll instantly receive a meditation download and you'll get something free from me every month. Until next time, take care.